Today on episode number 80 of the podcast, we're talking about the hard topic of employment after losing your sight. What's up, VIPs? Welcome to Life After Sight Loss Radio, the podcast helping you discover life after sight loss. My name is Derek Daniel. I am your host and resident VIP, aka visually impaired person. And sitting across the table from me once again is my co-host and resident sighted supporter, my lovely wife, April. Good day, everyone. All right. So today we're talking about employment. It's one of those topics that is somewhat difficult because the last statistic I saw was somewhere between 70 and 75% of visually impaired and blind people are unemployed. Now, that's a pretty big number. So I wanted to just kind of go over some of the things that go along with employment, not only Uh, the idea of getting a job, but all that goes along with that. So, of course, as always, we can't talk about everything that goes along with this topic. So I've got some resources for you over in the show notes. So, dear, why don't you tell us where we can get those show notes? Absolutely. So the show notes are over at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 080. Show notes have links, resources, and ways to get connected. So hop on over to lifeaftersightloss.com slash 080. Episode 80. That's, that's hard to say. I zero, zero, eight, zero. I have zero, to think about zero. that. That's, <laughs> it's good to be uh, at episode 80. That's exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, this is our fifth episode together in a row, like five weeks in a row. Right. I think that's pretty impressive. All right, so let's jump into employment. Now, I did get a question from a listener who called in and asked on the voicemail line. By the way, if you want to leave a voicemail, you can do that at 317-721-1027. That is not an international number, so my apologies for that, but you can always send me an email if you have a question. But this caller said, hey, I want to know about employment and you know stuff that goes along with that. So today I wanted to start with this idea of if you lose your sight and you have a job, there's a potential of losing your job. So, dear, what would it be like if I had a job, we were going along, everything was great, and all of a sudden, I lost the job? How would that affect you as not only a person who is a sighted supporter, but just the other person in the family? Well, I mean, for me, the first thing that I go to is financial, mm-hmm. you know, struggles, because I think that, you know, in in the world that we live in today, it's Im- it's imperative that both spouses tend to have two incomes um, because of all of the bills that you have and the activities that your kids might be in and just the lifestyle that you'd like to live. Most people have two incomes. Um, We've made it working on just one income for a while Mm -hmm. and that's great. But I think if you had two incomes and you lost your sight, then there would be a lot of adjustments that needed to be made. And so then we'd have the the emotional side of things of going through this transition of sight loss, but then also the logistical financial um, struggles that anybody would have if they lost a job, even if it was just from being laid off or mm-hmm. um, being you know, fired for whatever reason or something of that nature. If anyone loses the job, then there's always going to be those financial struggles. And that's where my mind goes initially. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but then those financial struggles put strain and stress on the rest of the family Yeah, for, you know, well, we can't do the lifestyle we had, at least not for a while, or it's going to uh, affect us emotionally. And so there puts a lot of struggle on the family. So I think I just wanted to mention that because there may be people out there who have lost their job because of sight loss Mm -hmm. and they're starting that struggle. And it's important to realize, hey, we need to take this one day at a time. Right. You're not going to get another job tomorrow. 
tomorrow, not most likely anyway. And so if you're going through that, just be aware that we understand that and we hope that you will take the time to uh, remember that it's not just a financial struggle, but it is emotional and mental and all those other struggles. Well, and emotional and mental for the sighted supporter and the VIP as well. Absolutely. And so then it comes to this point, whether it's losing a job or trying to get a new job or whatever, you have this struggle with identity because... In our culture especially, jobs are, are our identity. There we go. I'll get it out. Um, you know, when people meet you at a party, one of the first questions they ask is, what do you do for a living? Yeah. You know, it is sort of this identification of who you are. I'm a this, I'm a that. You know, whether I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, mm-hmm. I'm a janitor, I'm a garbage man. You know, like we have these things where it's like, oh, you're this? Oh, well, now I've put you into a category. Right. And it ranks you in that yeah. kind of socioeconomic status in their mind. Absolutely. Even though, you know, a plumber, you know, it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. And plumbers make really good money. But Absolutely. sometimes people think, oh, plumber. Gosh, you're, you know, lower. Yeah. And it's just, and that's not true. And none of those are true. Like, you could have the best person in the world, that, like salt of the earth plumber, and then a doctor who's just a horrible person. You right. know, it doesn't have anything to do with who they are as a person. It is their job. They go to work, they make a living. You know, that's what it is. Correct. Now, yes, you might have a job that you really enjoy. It's your career. You've, you're passionate about it and all that stuff. And that's great. But jobs don't necessarily give us identity, or at least they shouldn't, they shouldn't give us identity. And so that can be a real hard struggle with employment and unemployment. And that gets into that whole idea of like, well, you are worth what you do. You know, you as if you do a lot, you're worth a lot. If you make a lot of money, if you go to work every day and work 40 hours a day and, you know, those sort of things, mm-hmm. like... Um, you're worth a lot. And it's like, that's just not true. You're worth a lot with or without the job. Right. So I think it's important to remember that and keep that idea of identity in the forefront. And I've talked about that on other videos, this idea that sight loss isn't your identity and neither is the job that you have. You know, that, that's right. the thing. So then that brings you into a place where, let's say you have a job that you can no longer do. Maybe you are an airplane pilot, or a truck driver, or, you know, you just can no longer do that job. It's not about discrimination. Right. It's you just can't do that job. And so then you have to start learning new skills. Like you're going to have to go out and get retrained or maybe train for the first time, you know, and that sort of thing. So having a job, dear, you've had, you know, the same job for a lot of years, but you've done different things within that sort of, you know, nursing is sort of, you know, a big umbrella. So you've done different things, worked on different units and that sort of thing. Yep. So when somebody comes to you and says, okay, I need you to learn this new skill, Mm -hmm. what kind of challenges do you face going, well, I've done this, but now I'm expected to do this. Is that difficult? Is there a challenge that you uh, have to face when you're doing something like that? Well, I think there's a challenge for sure transitioning into a new role. Um, For example, with this, um, job that I'm doing now, I do the nursing side of things, but then I also can transition into um, helping surgeons with surgery as well. And that, whenever they came to me and asked me if I would be interested in doing it, they didn't say I had to do it, but are you interested? It was a little intimidating to start with because I had never even thought about it. It hadn't crossed my mind. It wasn't something that I thought that I would ever need or want to do. So I really had to kind of think about it. And at the same time, then, you know, we took a class, we started doing hands-on, um, 
you know, and that kind of stuff is intimidating because I'm nervous. Like these surgeons have been doing this for years. They expect the people that are doing it to be proficient and efficient and, um, you know, obviously knowledgeable what, about what they're doing. And I just wasn't there. So, you know, learning the skill and then growing in that skill. And today I can walk in and, you know, scrub a surgery and have no thoughts about it because it's become second nature. Did you feel pressure to do it quickly? Like, hey, you're going to come in, you're going to learn this today, and you should know it at the end of the day. I didn't really. Um, we had to have so many um, experiences before we would be considered efficient or, you know, ready to do it on our own. Mm-hmm. But I felt, I think I felt that rush from myself because I wanted to prove that I can do this and I can do it quickly. Mm-hmm. I can learn it well and I can do it well. So I think that's more something that's just my second nature is that when I'm challenged with something, I want to do it quickly and I want to do it well mm-hmm. without taking a lot of time to do it. Well, and a lot of people are like that, especially after going through a major transition in life. It's like, well, I need to get back into work. And some people need to get back to do something because, again, that whole identity piece. But it's an opportunity to stop and think and learn that new skill, especially when you're having to learn that skill as now a visually impaired person. Because even if you're learning a new skill, that new skill is going to have to be adapted for you to do it, right. you know, as a blind person. So I think it's important to realize that it's just going to take time. There's going to have to be some patience. There's going to have to be some uh, level of like, I can do this. I just can't do it today. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people like, especially with the financial piece we talked about, sometimes it's this pressure to get back to work tomorrow because like we need this right? Uh, and you know, we need to have this tomorrow. We need to have this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there can be that pressure to jump back in. And the reality is, it's just going to move slow. You know, it's just yeah. not always going to be like boom, boom, boom. Now, you might be in a specific situation where your job can transition you into something else and you'll be back the next week or something like that. But for many people, there is going to be a slower process going right. through. And I think that brings me to my next point, the idea of like organizations that help. So right now I'm in the process of uh, seeking a job. And this has not been a slow or a fast process. This not has been at a very all. slow process. I'm working with an organization called Vocational Rehabilitation, which I've got a list of all of the voc rehab places by state in the resources at the show notes. So I'm working with voc rehab, and the reality is it just takes a while. Like I started this process in, I don't know, when would you say? It, it was I was obviously think, last year. I feel year. like it was. August of last year? I feel like it was August, yeah. yeah. And it's now, we're recording this in April of 2019, and I'm just starting to work with an employment counselor, somebody to you know help you find what you're going to do, that sort of thing. So it's been well over a few months doing this. Yeah. And we are in a uh, very fortunate place where I don't have to find a job tomorrow, but for some people, they may not be in that spot, and it right. can build a lot of pressure. Absolutely. I mean, I think we talked about earlier, the financial piece, the emotional piece, that comes along right along with it with finding that job. You get that you got to find this job. So the person trying yeah. to find the job feels the pressure mm-hmm. of finding the job. The person, uh, the sighted supporters, maybe the spouse, the parents, whatever, they feel like you know the pressure as well. But maybe they're trying not to be pressure. You know, well like, they're not trying. They're the trying pressure. not to show it outwardly, especially yeah. like you might be feeling it internally, but you don't want to because you know, you're feeling the pressure and then you project that outwardly, and then that puts more pressure on the VIP as well. And then that just, you know, compounds the pressure that you're already feeling. Absolutely. So it can be a very 
like it's it's obviously a slow process, but it can be a like a little bit of turmoil going on yeah. inwardly for, yeah. for everybody because even if you got kids, sometimes they're like, well, dad always went to work or mom always went to work and now they're not. And then just them being home for a while can be a little bit of like yeah. turmoil. And then the parent trying to get a job and it can be a lot going on. I think that's really the important thing to remember is there's a lot going on with mm-hmm. this process. Um you know, the idea of going to get the job, that takes you into a whole new category of seeking a job, going to employers, you know, getting your resume and interviews and all that sort of thing. One of the big questions people always ask is, should I tell the employer I'm blind up front? Should I wait until later? Should I put it on my resume? Should I wait until the interview? And I, my belief, and maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong, but my belief is always I let them know as far in advance as possible. And the reason I do that is so they don't feel like when I come in with a cane or a guide dog, I have lied to them right off right. the start. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, if he could lie to us on his resume, he's going to lie to us, you know. Now, some people think, well, I don't want to do that because I'll get, you know, n- I won't get the opportunities, which technically is discrimination and right. is illegal, right. but that still does happen. And so you have to really parse out, okay, when's the best time to do this? Again, for me, I feel like it's, as soon as you can, you know, right, right up front. Yeah. They call to schedule an interview with you and you let them know. Yeah, absolutely. Over the phone that, you know, you would be the one with the cane yeah, or th- the dog or whatever the case might be. Yeah. And, you know, I had an interview last year and I was very upfront. And when I went into the interview, they were aware. I went through some of the assistive technology I would use. Mm-hmm. I even got to show them some stuff because they had a, a computer portion. So I showed them, you know, how to magnify things. And they were like, oh, that's really, they had no idea, obviously. Right. So like, that's really cool. Uh, so I think it's beneficial. Now, is every job interview going to be like that? Probably not. There might be some job interviews. They're like, oh, you're blind. We don't want you here. Again, that's discrimination. That's illegal. But I'm sure it still does happen. So there are lots of opportunities for visually impaired people to do jobs. I mean, there are blind teachers and, um, you know, social workers and people that work for the government and entrepreneurs. And blindness is not a halt to doing a job. Right. There might be a job you're going to have to niche down into. You might have to have some training. You might have some specialized training for whatever job you're going to have. Adaptive equipment. Adaptive equipment. You know, like if you have a dog, you're going to have to deal with that. There's, There's all kinds of things you have to think about that other people might not have to think about, but you can still definitely do the job. Yeah. So I think it's important, like getting and keeping a job is kind of difficult anyway. I mean, you know, it's it's not the easiest task in the world. Throw sight loss in there, and that's a whole nother thing. Right. So I think it's important to remember that. To remember that we are not um, we're not designed to just uh, get a job immediately after sight loss. That's not how it's going to work. Yeah. Maybe if you're fortunate enough, that is how it works. Great. But for the majority of you, that's not how it's going to work, and that's okay. It it th- is a struggle, but that is okay. I think it's important to remember that you know. Obviously, sacrifices are going to happen when you lose your sight because you may um, sacrifice your job or your ability to drive or, um, you know, the umpteen other things that you're going to sacrifice as a VIP. But also remember that some of those sacrifices are going to be made, but then you're also going to build them back up. So you may have to think about financially, you may have to think about, um, you know, cutting your cable or decreasing the amount of times you eat out a week or, you know, things like that to kind of save some money. But remember that once you get back to a point where you have a job and you have an income again, 
then those things are going to hopefully be able to be regained. Yeah. That you'll be able to then adjust up. And for a time, you're going to have to potentially adjust down as well. And that's a good way to think about it because that can be an like a point of anger and depression and right. such like oh I, I lost my netflix or you know we're having to not buy as much food or different kinds of food or we're not right. going out to eat as much and those kinds of things can be challenging because it's your lifestyle has changed right. because of sight loss yes maybe you lost your job but you didn't lose it just because you lost it because of sight loss and so it's important to remember that you're angry at sight loss. That's that's really, you're not angry at each other or uh, family members, whatever. You're angry at sight loss. And so it's important to kind of vent towards that. But it's a good way to look at it to remember, hey, you know what? This is changing a little bit. Right. But we're going to do our best to get back to sort of a new normal because that's how it's going to work. It's never mm-hmm. going to be the old normal. That old normal's gone because you're no longer sighted. But you're going to get back to a new normal, which probably, most likely, will include many of the things that you always that had. you've always done. Yeah, yeah, and you've always had, you've always done, but it might just take a little while to get there. I know that sounds like, just be patient, it's going to be fine. <laughs> but it, just be patient, it's going to be fine. You know, and it's, that's just the reality of how it goes. So I've got a question for everybody today. If you have a job, what is it that you do? Do you work outside of the home, from inside of the home? What are the things you do? And if you don't currently have a job, what is something you would like to do? And this may be a chance for you to dream a little bit. You don't have to put down, well, I'd like to just make money. Now, if that's your goal, super, that's great, no problem. But if you have something you'd like to do, then I would love to hear about that. You can leave that on the comments of the video. You can always send me an email, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at lifeaftersightloss.com. You know, hit me up on social media, all the places and that such as well. So whatever you got, I want to hear from you guys. And speaking of hearing from you guys and all the stuff with social media, we want you to subscribe to the podcast. So why don't you tell us about subscribing on YouTube? So if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure that you hit that subscribe button and ring the bell so you don't miss another episode. And if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and now... We are on Spotify. Spotify. I did not know we were on Spotify until I just randomly looked it up and there it was. I was like, oh my gosh, we're on Spotify. We're so cool. So anyway, you can find uh, the links to that. I, I still have to add a Spotify link to the show notes, but you can find a link to all those over in the show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 080. And there are buttons right under the audio player to subscribe in your favorite podcast catcher. All right, so I think that brings us to right about the end, and we've got our quote of the week. So, dear, why don't you give us the quote? Sure. The quote this week says, The voyage of discovery is not in looking for new landscapes, but in looking with new eyes. And that is anonymous. Anonymous. Ooh. I like that guy. He, he does a lot of quotes. Uh, a lot of good stuff. I've, I've actually had this before. I've used it in something else. But the idea, it's, it's looking for new lands, new landscapes, new things. And it's not about looking for those things. It's about seeing what's in front of you with new eyes. Right. Now, some of that's cheesy, like, oh, you don't have the same sight physically. I don't mean that. I mean, like, trying to view things differently. Mm -hmm. Because sight loss causes you to physically view things differently. But I think it's important to mentally and emotionally, spiritually, whatever word you want to use, to view things a little bit differently. Yeah. And I think that's really important. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening wherever you are. And until next time, I want you to remember that sight loss isn't the end. It's just the beginning. My name is Derek. And I'm April. And we'll see you in in the the next next one. one.